You're listening to Rabbi Arya Wolby, Director of Torch, the Torah Outreach Resource Center of Houston. This is the Jewish Inspiration Podcast. Welcome back to way number 26, my dear friends. We already went through 25 of the 48 ways. And if I can characterize these 48 ways, I would say it's the 48 tools to a magnificent life. Each one independently is enough for us to master a pleasure-filled life with connection to Hashem. So what is way number 25? Hamakir et mekomo, to know your place. It's so important for us to know our place. When you're in charge, you know that you're in charge. When you're not in charge, know that you're not in charge. It's not your place. The worst thing for a person is not to know where they stand. In our global picture, in our lives, the most important thing for us to know is where we stand with the Almighty, our relationship with Hashem. No. You know, we just had a training with Rabbi Lazar Brody uh, for Hitzbodedut, for personal introspection, a personal time where you just are out in the fields. We went to a park and everyone goes their own way and you talk to Hashem. And he divided it up to the first third, thank Hashem. The second third, ask Hashem. The last third, talk to Hashem about your hopes, about your wishes, about your dreams, about your aspirations. And it's so powerful. You're alone. Just you talk to Hashem. You know, the the prayers that we have morning, afternoon, and evening are structured, and they need to remain structured. But this is a prayer that is not structured, it's your prayer. It's your talk to Hashem directly of exactly what you're grateful for, exactly what you're asking for, and what it is that you're hoping for. So, Makiras Makomo, someone who knows his place, knows his relationship. You know, in a marriage, if someone doesn't know their place, it's a big problem. Everyone needs to know what their task is, what their responsibility is. And It's important, step number one, is we have to know ourselves. My son asked my rabbi, my son is in Israel, so he went to visit my rabbi and to talk to him. He says, when does someone know if they're ready to get married? He says, not before you know yourself. If you don't know yourself, you have no business getting into a relationship with someone else that uh, it could potentially be problematic if a person doesn't, doesn't know themselves. Another thing is know your role in life. What are we here for? Hashem put every person into this world for a purpose. Know your purpose. If we don't know our purpose, then what are we? We're spinning our wheels. There was a question that was asked yesterday after the lecture. Someone asked, what do I tell someone who doesn't want to live? They don't have anything to live for. He said, it's a big problem. It's a very big problem because that means they don't know, they haven't connected with life. They've never really connected with life if they have no reason to live if they don't know their purpose here. What's the big picture? We have to understand that we're not here to stay. No one is on planet Earth to stay on planet Earth. One thing that we all have in common is we're all going to die. We're all going to have a day that we check out. That's it. We're done. Okay, so how are we preparing for that? How are we preparing for that bill that we're going to pay? You know, the example Rabbi Brody said yesterday. He said, we went to eat dinner in a restaurant, and at the end when we were leaving, they give us a bill. What's this bill? It's not what we came for. I know, but you don't expect to get food for free. We come to this world and we have all of these 
pleasurable experiences. We eat good food. We're able to sleep. We're able to dance. We're able to, to get married. We have all of these amazing gifts that Hashem gives us. Well, there's a bill that we have to pay at the end. What's that bill? Well, if we use all of those tools to glorify Hashem's name, to bring Hashem into this world, we're scot-free. We did what we needed to do with it. But if we take it all for personal, self-satisfying experiences, it's just for me to enjoy and, to, and, and leave Hashem out of it, and we have a big bill to pay. It's important for every person to write a personal mission statement, and I even say to have a family mission statement. Every business has a mission statement. This organization has a mission statement. If you go to Krispy Kreme, the Kosher Krispy Kreme in Atlanta, Kosher Krispy Kreme, it has a mission statement. Their goal is to put a smile on every person's face, one donut at a time. That's their mission. Starbucks has a mission. They have a goal. They have a, they have a purpose. What's our purpose? What's our own personal mission statement? Why am I here in this world? So me and my family, over COVID, we sat and we put together our family mission statement. I have it hanging in my office, in my, in my, in my home. So that my children, whenever they walk into my office, they can see the mission statement. This is our family's mission statement. This is our, what we want to accomplish together as a family. And a personal mission statement, not only for business. What's my goal? What do I want to accomplish in my own life? What do I want to achieve? And then keep focused. Keep focused on that mission. When in the presence of someone who's more knowledgeable, Think twice before speaking. You know, one of the worst sins that the Talmud says is a student who speaks in front of his rabbi. Someone asks the rabbi the question and the student jumps in. It's one of the most severe things that someone can do. Someone who's, you don't know your place, that's the problem. You don't know your place. Someone who doesn't know their place, it's not, not good. Don't be afraid to ask others for advice. There are many people who are smart, who have great wisdom, who have great life experience. They don't have to be professionals. Of course, we have our in-house doctor, but they don't have to be professionals. People who just have life experience can also give you guidance and give you direction. If you don't take control of your life, you're being manipulated by others. We're being manipulated, by the way, by media, by social media. Do you know people pay a fortune, companies pay a fortune of money to buy your data? They buy where you go, what you shop, what you search. You ever wonder, you ever talk about watches and suddenly all of the advertisements are about watches. You talk about vacation and suddenly all the advertisements are about vacation. You talk about vacation to Mexico and suddenly all the vacations to Mexico are available and you talk about a cruise, whatever it is. It's unbelievable. They're listening constantly and they're, they're those that, that data is being purchased. The data is being purchased. Target buys that data, and then they advertise their products to you. VPN is also in it. Yeah, but the, 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 if we don't take control of what our objective, what our goal is, they will. And they're going to guide us how they want us to shop and how they want us to spend money and how they want us to be reckless and, and careless in how we uh, you know, spend and, and, and run around from one thing to the other. We were created, each and every one of us were created to fulfill our own unique role in life. We have our own things that we need to accomplish that no one else can. No one else can, can accomplish it for us. So each, each one of us, we think, as long as, I, as long as I'm part of the 50 percentile 
I'm safe. No, 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 no. I'll tell you an amazing story. My brother and my father were in a conversation on Purim. I was probably 16 years old at the time. I think I was 16 years old at the time. And my father was completely inebriated. It's Purim, that's the mitzvah. But we know what comes out when you're, when you're drunk. The truth comes out. And it was the most God-fearing experience I've ever had. My brother was, he was at a stage in his life, one of those stages, and my father shot a bullseye, a bullseye into his challenge. My father said, you are not doing as good as you can do. He says, what do you mean? I'm doing exactly like everyone else. He says, that's your problem. It's my father. I remember him, totally drunk. He said, that's your problem. See, when you stand in front of the Almighty at, after 120, you're going to be standing there and you're going to be looking, looking around. Hashem's going to say, did you do what you needed to do? Be, I did like, one second, where is everybody? You're going to be standing there alone. You're going to have to answer alone for your own doings or misdoings. And no one else is going to be there to be your attorney or to say... I can vouch in front of the Omar. I can vouch. He was he was a fine gentleman. No, 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 no. There's no no lawyers there. It's you standing in front of the Almighty. That's it. And it struck a chord with me and with everyone else who was there. That's really what it's about. We have to take personal responsibility that we're not just like like everyone else. Oh, whatever everyone else does, that's what I'll do. I'll just fit in. No. Hashem didn't ask Einstein to just fit in. You have to be an Einstein. You have to be... Not, don't just fit in. Fit in means that you produce average. He was well above average. You have to excel. Every one of us can excel in our own areas. We have our own responsibilities, the things that we need to accomplish. And when the moment calls for it, we have to take the lead. In whatever it is, whatever situation comes our way, why does it come our way? Hashem says, I want, here, here you go. You have an opportunity. Lead. Do something with it. You know, I remember coming to my grandfather's house once. We used to have a family gathering with my grandfather every Motzah Shabbos, every Saturday night. And one time we get there, and my grandfather's not sitting at the front of the table. He's sitting on the side. Who's sitting at the front of the table? My great uncle, Reb Chaim Kreisworth. He was the chief rabbi of Antwerp. My grandfather had a tremendous debt of gratitude to him. He helped my grandfather and my grandmother get married. He helped get my grandfather the visa to come from Sweden to come to what was then Palestine so that they can get married. And he was a master Torah scholar. He felt it an obligation for him to give honor to his brother-in-law. My grandfather, what are you talking about? My grandfather was a giant in Torah himself, but he knew, he knew his place. Even though I would say my grandfather should stay there and let the... No, 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 no. He felt his place was on the side. Let him take the... My grandfather sat there, quiet, didn't say a word. Just listened to everything that this great rabbi, his brother-in-law, said with utmost respect, serving him, taking care of him. It was an unbelievable sight. You see someone who's such a giant, just stand in the corner. Let someone else shine. This is his, his opportunity. This is what he felt his responsibility was. There was a very, very wealthy person who was traveling around Europe. He went to go visit the great Chafetz Chaim. 
who didn't want to see the Chavetz Chaim? My grandfather once, I asked him, I said there was a yeshiva that approached me. They said, oh, your grandfather's Rabbi Wolby. Can we take the yeshiva we're visiting from Tiberia, from Tiberias? Can we bring the students to Rav Wolby so that he can give them a blessing? I said, I'll ask. I went to my grandfather. I said, is it okay? They want to come to the yeshiva. He says, nah, they shouldn't come to me. I said, why should they come to me? He says, they should go to Mordechat Zuckerman. They should go to Mordechat Zuckerman. I said, why should, why Reb Why are you sending them away? He says, two reasons. Number one, uh, three reasons, he said. Number one is because he's really a righteous Jew. Me, I'm not so righteous. Number one. Number two, he saw the Chafetz Chaim. He saw, he didn't say he learned. He happened to be a student of his. He saw the Chafetz Chaim with his eyes. He's much holier than I am. He just saw the Chafetz Chaim. And number three, he has a nicer beard than me. So sure enough, I went back to the yeshiva that asked me, and I told them, my grandfather said, for these three reasons, you should go to Mordechat Zuckerman. And this is the address, and this is where you can find them. Okay. The yeshiva ended up going to Mordechat Zuckerman. And who was he learning with? My grandfather. So they got both of them at one time. So the yeshiva ended up getting the blessing from both Mordechat Zuckerman and from my grandfather. But you see what he says? Just a... He saw the Chafetz Chaim. That's why he's holier. So this individual, this wealthy businessman, was traveling around Europe. He wants to stop by to talk to the Chafetz Chaim. Comes into the Chafetz Chaim's house. And he looks around. He's like, he's like, Chafetz Chaim, where's your furniture? He says, where's your furniture? He says, me? <laughs> I'm just traveling. I'm just traveling. I don't take my furniture with me when I'm traveling. He says, well, so am I. I'm just traveling too. We all come to this world. We think we're here permanent. We're all traveling. Eh, we collect furniture. We collect more. We're, we're a, a culture today which is called a consumer culture. We buy and buy and buy and buy and buy. I don't need it, but it's a great deal. I have to. I can't. It's like Because we feel permanence. We feel like we're here forever. Chavetz Chaim remembered every day, I'm only traveling. I'm passing through. Well, I'm going to start collecting things. Someone who travels around Europe doesn't take their furniture with them. I'm traveling through this world. I don't have time to collect things. That's how simple he was. Most people don't know or recognize that we are temporary. We don't realize that. We think we're permanent. Hamakiris Mekomo, someone who knows their place. They know they're not here forever. We're not here forever. We remember the world to come. We have a seat waiting for us. It says, Kol Yisrael yesh lehem chelek We only earn our ticket if we do what we need to do. The seat is waiting. It's your seat in Olam Abba. But we have to do in order to earn that ticket to get that seat. Kol Yisrael yesh lehem chelek Every Jew has a portion in the world to come waiting for them. We just have to pick it up. Pick up the ticket. It says that he who runs after honor... Honor runs away from him. He who runs away from honor, honor runs after him. That's the nature of the world. You run after something, it runs away from you. Torah, happiness, is compared to water. It goes to the humble. It goes to the lowest place possible. Water, when you put water into a thing, it doesn't stay at the top of the pan, it goes to the bottom. Oh, you're humble. That's where the happiness goes to. People who are arrogant don't have happiness. Right? Torah is compared to water. 
it goes to the lowest common denominator, to the humble. We'll end off with the Talmud. The Talmud says it was someone who was a, a, a one of the sons of the Tanaim of the Tanaic sages went into a coma. And when he got out of the coma, his father asked him, he says, what did you see there? You were in the, in the world to come. You were able to see. What did you see? He says, Olam Raisi. I saw an upside down world. Elyonim lamata, tachtonim lamala. Those who were pushed down in this world were the ones who were elevated in that world. Those who were elevated in this world and honored, they were put down in this world. It's almost like the members of Knesset and the members of Congress. Right? The members of Knesset are the lowest creatures on planet Earth. The lowest. The politicians are the worst. It doesn't make a difference what side of the, of the aisle they are. Politicians are the worst. Can't trust the word they say. Can't trust the word they say. They'll say today, Oh, of course, sure. How are you, Mr. Rosenstock? Great to see you. When you need them, gone. As long as you voted for them, they're great. As soon as you voted already, it's done. They don't know who you are. Can't help you. It's a real problem. We think that those who are honored in this world are the ones who are honored in the world to come. It's the exact opposite. Look at those who are not being honored. Look at those who are being trampled on. Look at those who are being... Those are the ones who God holds at the highest esteem. It says, Makir es mikomo. Ha makir es mikomo. Who knows his place. This way is knowing your place. You know what makom means? When we, when we console a mourner, we say, Ha makom yinachem etchem. Who is the makom? Makom is the Almighty. Ha makir et mikomo. He knows his creator. That's what this, this way is. We have to know where we stand with our creator. Recognize your God, your mission, what God put you into this world for. So, my dear friends, way 26 is a really important way for us to know where we stand. You've been listening to the Jewish Inspiration Podcast, a Torch production. Become a supporter at torchweb.org because your assistance enables more Torah learning around the globe. To find more lessons offered by Torch, please visit torchpodcasts.com.